Well, I have never heard an uncle talk about the Vietnam War yet. We're living in Canada. Those Americans, eh? We, uh, we have got one more week to go in this series on the blessing, and, um, and hopefully we've got a special, uh, special treat for you next week, so hopefully uh, you'll be here for that. Uh, this is Thanksgiving long weekend, and so I'm glad that uh, you came to church, that you're with us. Appreciate you joining us for that. And uh, this morning, my prayer is that this will be a turning point in your life, that this Thanksgiving, you'll be able to look back to as a, the year when you changed your attitude and changed the way you lived your life. And we've got something very special at the end of the service. We've never done it before, and I uh, can hardly wait for, for you to see what it is. So just to give you some, something to look forward to uh, in anticipation, uh, let's begin. Every human being, we said last week, is born with a desire and a longing to be validated, to be affirmed. All of us want to know that we are, are appreciated, loved, accepted. We want to know that we are found worthy of love. We want to be told, good job, when we get it right. Uh, we want to be appreciated. We want to hear the words, I love you. And I've got to tell you that this is something that does not come, sadly, does not come easily to us. We have a difficult time affirming the people around us. In fact, if anything, we're probably more prone to doing the opposite. We're probably more prone to hurting the people around us rather than loving them. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So here's the thing. Uh, the reason I really felt we needed to do a series on the blessing is to remind us of what it is that Christians do and what we're about. Remember, the, the, the oldest aspect of our faith is that we are a people who bless and are blessed. We are blessed by God. The very first thing, that the first spiritual experience that humanity experienced was actual, uh, the actual blessing of God upon, uh, upon Adam and Eve. And from that day on, our hearts have craved it. You remember last week I said how, how Cain craved it so badly that he actually killed his brother because his brother was receiving God's blessing and he wasn't. And we said the reason for that was that Cain tried to serve God in his own way. Well, here's the thing. We crave it. We long for it. We want it. And, uh, and we need to be reminded of it. The reason you're here today the reason you come to church every Sunday is to be reminded of what it means to be a Christian, to be reminded of how you and I need to live as believers. Because our default setting, unfortunately, is to go back to the old way, our old, our old pre-Christian experience, our natural tendency, our, our uh, natural uh, bent, our natural uh, heart state. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. So here's the thing that I want to say to you today. Your, your mouth and your heart needs to be a heart that's full, full of praise, full of thanksgiving. It needs to be a heart that's full of blessing. And as we mentioned last week, James says, how on earth is it that we who call ourselves Christians can with this mouth be blessing God and at the same time cursing others? He says this should never be. 
I want us today to examine our hearts to see what comes out of our mouth, to see what kind of language that we speak. Because I'm going to say this to you today, and I'll say it probably several times before we're done here today. The mark of the Christian is that we speak differently than those who do not claim to be Christian. How many know that today? In fact, I want to tell you this. If, if there's anybody in your orbit that knows you're a believer, I can tell you, I can guarantee you that they're watching every move you make and they're listening to every word you speak. And for some of us, we have destroyed our testimony by what's come out of our mouth. Because really, folks, here's what, here's what you'll discover, is that people who hear you talk about your faith, they don't really care whether you've been on a missions trip. They don't care how much money you give to church. They don't care if you even go to church. They, what they do care about, however, is this, is that you call yourself a Christian, and does your life match that profession, that confession? So we want to make sure we get this right. So this morning here on this Thanksgiving weekend, you and I are here to be reminded of what you and I need to do as Christians and how you and I need to speak as Christians. So let's take a look at the scripture verse. It's from the message. I love this interpretation. Um, And in your Bibles, you might find that the wording is quite a bit different, but I really like this, and I'm going to tell you why shortly. Ephesians 5, 4, if you would read this with me. Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, those who follow Jesus have better uses for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. Now, here's the thing that I discovered when I was in the Philippines. I discovered that almost, almost everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody spoke Tagalog, the national language, and that that almost everybody spoke English, and that on top of that, most of the Filipinos that I met uh, actually had a dialect that they spoke, the dialect that was spoken in whatever part of the country they came from. So, um, so here's what, I mean, I couldn't hear, I, I could not hear the accent, I could not hear the dialect in any way, but here's what I discovered, is that people would say, oh, he's from the south, or she comes from the north of the Philippines, or she comes from the islands, or whatever. But they could tell where they came from based on their dialect and, and even their accent. Now, I want to tell you something. According to the Apostle Paul, people can tell who we are and where we're from based on what comes out of our mouth. They can tell based on our accent and by our dialect. And Paul says that the dialect of the Christian is that we are thanksgivers. The language we speak is a language of thanks. Wherever we are, with whomever we're with, we speak words of thanks. We, give, we say thank you. So in your restaurant, you say thank you. When you're, um, when you're with your family, you say thank you. With your kids, you say thank you. When you're with your spouse, you say thank you. With your, when you're at work, you say thank you. And when you're alone with God, you say thank you. When you're here, well, come to church. You're already doing. You're giving thanks to God because we're thanks givers. This is our language. It's our dialect. It's who we are. The question today is this: Would people know who you are based on what comes out of your mouth? When they listen to your accent, do they hear the Christian accent, or do they hear a phony baloney? Do they hear somebody who does not live up? To their profession. When I say profession, I mean the profession of faith. So today I want to talk about the Christian dialect. I want to talk to you about the language of the blessing, because what you will discover is that blessing 
and thanksgiving are words that can be interchanged. It, it, it essentially means the same thing. Now, the blessing has there's so much that we can say about that. We've talked about this for weeks. But when it comes to thanksgiving, giving thanks is exactly the same as a blessing. This is why sometimes when you sit down for, for supper or for uh, lunch or whatever, someone will say, well, you say the blessing, which means what? Will you give thanks? It's the same thing. We are thanksgivers. When we say the blessing, what are we doing? We're saying, God, thank you. When we, say, when, it, when, we, when we talk about blessing God or praising God, what are we doing? We're saying, God, we give you thanks. So this morning, let's talk about the dialect that we're using. And I'm going to say this. Your attitude and your dialect equal the same thing. Whatever's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. The old dialect, that the dialect, the language that you used to use before you became a Christian, was a dialect that was filled with uh, unsavory words, unkind words, sometimes dirty words. I remember hearing a preacher uh, many, many years ago. He said, I, he says, I don't know what it is. He says, but when I hear a dirty joke, I find so often that I can't help myself laughing. He says, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor. I have no business laughing at that dirty joke, but there's something funny about it. And so here's, here's the interesting thing. Because we're laughing, we think, well, it's okay. It's not a problem. But it is a problem. And the problem is a heart condition. Here's what Jesus said. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So here's the thing. I know what's in your heart based on what comes out of your mouth. And if you are doing what the Apostle Paul says, talking dirty or talking silly or gossiping or judging or condemning people or complaining people, I know what's going on in your heart. And I would say this, and this may shock many people here, but I have to really seriously question whether or not you've been converted or not, whether you have really given your heart to Jesus based on what comes out of your mouth. Jesus says a tree is known by what? It's fruit. So here's the thing, if, you're, if the fruit that you're producing is, is dirty language and silly, silliness and gossip and putting people down and judging people and condemning people, then i got to really question whether or not you really get what it means to be a Christian. i got to ask the question, has Jesus really transformed your heart? Listen to me today. This old dialect is a dialect of negativity of bitterness, of anger. How many know that when you're with somebody who's negative and, and, um, and putting people down and complaining and whining all the time, they, they literally suck the life out of you. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Who's married to someone? No, no, don't, don't put your hand up. Don't. You know what I'm talking about, though, right? You wonder why your kids don't want to hang around with you because everything comes out of your mouth is, you stupid kid, you're good for nothing, you're lousy, you're a loser. You wonder why your kids don't want to be around you, because every time they're around you, all, you're, all they can hear is what? You yelling and screaming at them, clean your room up, clean the dishes, do your chores, you stupid kid, why have you got your homework done? What is your dialect? If you've been truly transformed by Jesus Christ, and you say that Jesus Christ is your Lord, your Master, your Savior, then folks, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that your dialect, your language changes. And now suddenly, rather than sucking the life out of people, you're actually giving life. You're breathing life into the people around you. You show me 
a marriage that's strong and healthy, and I'm going to show you a couple that know how to breathe life into each other. You show me kids that like to hang around their parents, I'm going to show you kids who've got parents that breathe life into them. You show me somebody who's got lots of friends, I'll show you somebody who is a thanksgiver because that person acknowledges and recognizes the good things in other people. You show me somebody who's got no friends, and I'll show you somebody who speaks nothing but negativity, complaining, grumbling, whining, and on and on it goes. It just sucked the life out of you so that you just have nothing left. Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, you might be able to pretend for a while. You might be able to trick some people. You may be able to, you know, pull the wool over people's eyes for a while, but it doesn't take long before the real you comes through. Dirty talking, silly talking, negativity, gossip. The fact is, nobody wants to be with people like that. This is why you come to church, because we teach you here how to have good relationships, a good relationship with God and a good relationship with one another. And it starts... Folks, by having a heart that's changed. Here's what the Bible tell us, tells us right from the, right the very beginning. Our heart is the problem. Our heart needs to be transformed. Our heart, our default setting is to sin. And what is sin? In a nutshell, sin is the ultimate in selfishness, self-centeredness. Sin is, putting, is whenever I put myself first. Now listen to this, listen. You read the Old Testament, you read all the commands, the laws given by Moses, read the Torah, whatever you want to call it. You read that, and you know what you're going to discover? That all those commands are an antidote against your selfishness. And not just your selfishness, the selfishness of others. Because our real problem, folks, is our self, selfish heart. We always put ourselves first. We're always, we, we're, we're greedy, we want more, we want to put ourselves first, we don't really care about others. And that, my friends, is why God had to give Moses the Ten Commandments. This is why, through, through Moses, God had to give commands to teach us how to live because we're so self-centered. Listen, every single one of the Ten Commandments, you take a look at it, and it's all about having a right relationship to God and a right relationship to one another. What's the, what's the common denominator problem, or people? It's, it's us and our bad, bad attitudes and our selfishness. And so Jesus comes along and teaches us a whole new way of living, of denying yourself. In fact, if you want to be a Christian, this is what Jesus says. You have to deny yourself. You need to take up your cross and follow him. What's he saying? He said you've got to stop living for yourself. And here's, the, here's what the old dialect is. The old dialect is a language of self-centeredness. It's all about me. You dissed me. You didn't do this for me. You didn't provide for me. You didn't care for me. You didn't, you didn't make me feel happy. The opposite of that is, of course, thanksgiving, where now you are starting to affirm the people around you rather than complaining about the people around you. Do you get that? How are you living your life? If I surveyed your kids, what would they say about their parents? And if I surveyed spouses today, what would they say about, about, about you? What's the condition of your heart? Are you speaking the old language or the new language? Listen, God understands our condition, and he understands your condition. Listen, 
He knows that the greatest thing that can happen to us is that we learn how to be thanks givers. This is why we read in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1, and you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God, or you shall give the Lord your God thanksgiving for the good land that he has given you. God knows that we need to be taught and instructed to be thanksgivers because by nature we're not. We are whiners and complainers and we grumble that we don't have it good enough. That's the old dialect, but the new dialect is one of thanksgiving. We give thanks to God and we thank the people around us. We thank our children. We thank our spouse. We thank our teachers. We thank our bosses. We th- you say, well, they don't deserve it. Ah, but here's the problem. That's your selfish perspective, and your selfish perspective needs to be changed by God. Your selfish perspective needs to hear the truth. Folks, that's why you come to church every Sunday. You come here to be reminded of how it is that you're supposed to live and how it is that you're supposed to talk. There's people, man, I, I, when I see them, the first words out of their mouth is not, hi, how are you, good to see you, and I'm glad to see you. It's, it's the, a complaint, it's a grumble. It's a whining. It's, it's something's not right. Something's wrong. How do you greet people? Is it whining and complaining or are you affirming people? Are you loving people? Because the dialect of a Christian is one of thanksgiving. Now, I'm going to say this. That's, that's the old dialect. Let's talk about the new dialect. In your Bible, it may be translated a little differently like this. In fact, in, in, that, in your Bible, in verse 4, it may say, give thanks to God, but it doesn't say that in the original language. It, all it says is, give thanks. So here's the thing. Some of us think, you know, I'm so spiritual. I come to church. I worship God. I give God thanks. I praise God all the time. I praise God in the morning. praise God in the evening. praise Him in the afternoon. I'm giving God thanks all the time. And that's good. But that's only half the equation. The other half of the equation is you need to thank the people around you. You need to praise the people, bless the people around you. You need to affirm them. Remember, that's what our hearts crave. And the thing that's going to make your relationship strong and steady and firm, the thing that's going to make your marriage firm and strong and and, and your relationship with your kids firm and strong is that you stop ragging on them. And start recognizing the good things you're doing and start giving them thanks when they get it right. I love the story about the little boy that came home. He had a, his, his math test, had 100 questions, and he was afraid to show his, his parents. And his, he only got six answers right out of 100. He showed the test to his dad, and he was just ready, you know, he was just ready for the blast. You know what his dad said? I love this. He said, son, this is fantastic. You got six right. <laughs> what, what's, what's, what's going on here? This father is seeing what's good rather than focusing on what's not good. How many of us were raised that way? It's never good enough. And nobody blesses us and says thank you and way to go. When our kids were little, we taught, we're teaching them how to load the dishwasher and clean the dishes and scrub pots. And, and uh, we, were little, we were real slave drivers to our kids. Clean the surfaces, you know. There's chunks of food, you know, caked on the countertop. But 
you know, it was, it was wiped. <laughs> you could see the streak marks. <laughs> you know, the, the first thing is that that's, you, you want to say, that's not good enough. There's, look at that, and there's streak marks. But there's streak marks absolutely every square inch, so that tells me that they did a good job. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not a perfect father, and my son's here, he'll, he'll, he'll affirm that. But I'll tell you this, that I pray and ask God to give me the grace to be a thanksgiver. And guess what? I try to teach my kids to do the same. Because it's the thanksgivers that have great relationships. It's the thanksgivers that have friends. It's the thanksgivers that have great marriages. It's the thanksgivers that have great family. Are you a thanksgiver? Are you a whiner and a complainer and you suck the life out of your wife, out of your husband, out of your kids? It's, look, at when, a, when a husband doesn't want to come home at night, there's a good chance that he's getting the life sucked out of him when he gets home, and vice versa. When a wife says, look, at you watch the kids, I'm getting out of here, there's a good chance that she's not getting what her heart craves. When your kids would rather go sleep over at their friend's house, they don't want to be around you, they don't want to be in the same room as you, and they just like, ugh, I hate my parents. You know what I'm hearing? I'm hearing kids that are not being affirmed because their hearts crave blessing and love. And you know what? If they're not getting it from you, mom and dad, they're going to get it somewhere. That's why they're going to their friend's place. I see young girls who are living promiscuous lives. There's a reason for that. It's because their hearts crave love. And your job, parents, is to, to affirm and reaffirm your daughter so that they don't go looking for love elsewhere. We need to learn the habits of thanksgiving. We need to learn this dialect. And this dialect only comes to those whose hearts have been transformed and changed by Jesus. That's what this is all about, people. But you becoming new people. You become a brand new creation, a brand new creature when Jesus transforms your life. When you say, God, take my, my, my self-centered heart. I give it to you, God, and transform it and make me like you. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's, there's, uh, there's something about us that really makes it difficult for us to be sentimental and to express our feelings to each other. I love the, the episode of Ray, Everybody Loves Raymond. And uh, he's, it's his dad's birthday, and he's got to get his dad a card. So he goes and buys a whole handful of cards, and his friend is looking at them and says, well, these are all, they're all sarcastic, they're all, they're all a big joke, and some of them are even dirty. Why, why aren't there any sentimental cards here? Why aren't there any, card, any nice cards that really express your feelings about your dad? And here's what Raymond says. He says, because if I give him a funny card, he'll laugh at the card. But if I give him a serious card that, tell, that tells him how I really feel, he'll laugh at me. Nobody laughed here today because it's, it's, you recognize how true this is. We're so uncomfortable because our hearts so often are cold and hard. The beautiful thing that happens when you become a Christian is that God transforms your heart so that you can actually express how you feel and receive a blessing. There's people, I try to bless them, say nice things to them, and they throw it right back at me and turn it into a joke because they're uncomfortable with it. Why? Because they didn't grow up receiving blessing. 
When I say, I think you're wonderful, I think you're precious, I, I thank God for your life, it's like, oh, turn it into a joke. Or throw it right back, well, you are too. Listen, people, the, the basis for real intimacy and for an excellent relationship with the people in your life is that you begin to express what's in your heart. You begin to express thanks. You begin to say, I appreciate you, and here's why. What, you, what are you doing is you're validating one another. What you're doing is saying you're you're assigning worth to one another. Listen, this is what worship is. Worship is assigning worth to God. God, we appreciate you. We love you. We thank you. Now, here's the wonderful thing that happens when you start to give or start to live this life of thanksgiving. It, it, It changes you. It changes you because here's what happens. Suddenly, you begin to recognize God working in your life. When you start giving thanks, you know what happens? It gives you like superpowers. Anybody here want superpowers? You begin to be able to see things that you didn't see before. When you start giving thanks, you, you get a, a, the, the ability to recognize the presence of God in your life. You begin to see God in ways that you never saw him before. When I hear somebody say to me, you know, I don't see God, and God is so far from me, and God is, is distant. You know Why? It's because you can't see him. And the reason you can't see him is because you refuse to acknowledge him. The way that you will see God in your life is by beginning to give him thanks and recognizing his faithfulness and his love to you. When you start to do that, your eyes are opened and you begin to see God's work at your life. And I want to say this, the more you give thanks to God, the more you'll see him. He will reveal himself to, way, to you in ways that you've never experienced before. This is why you need to come to church on Sunday and worship God. This is why you need to worship God every day in your time of devotion, so that you can see him and know him and feel him. Why should I, why should I give thanks to the people in my life? I'll tell you why. Because it changes them. Well, maybe it changes you and changes your perspective. You begin to see that the people in your life are not so bad after all when you start acknowledging them and catching them doing something right. You say thank you. And you start beginning to see them as they truly are. They're not bad people after all. And here's the other neat thing that happens. Not only does your, does your perspective change and you start seeing what good people they are, guess what? When you start thanking people in your life, you start validating them. And here's what I've discovered. Is that people who are validated are people who keep repeating the same thing over, the good things over and over again. So when, you're, when you are, are catching your kids doing something right and you say, way to go, good job, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do it again and again and again. Why? Because they crave validation. They want to hear the words, I love you. They want to hear the words, well done, good job. You're precious to me. You see how having this Thanksgiving dialect absolutely changes your life. It changes the people in your life. It changes you, and it changes your relationship to God. Here's the other cool thing that happens. When you start living this Thanksgiving life, you stop worrying because you begin to see that God has taken care of you, and you're still alive. You begin to see that God's been helping you all along. Listen to what Paul says to the Philippians. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Anybody here anxious? Don't put your hand up. Just give me the signal. Don't be anxious about anything. Well, it's easy to say that, don't be anxious. 
But Paul gives good reason why you don't have to be anxious. And here's why you never have to be anxious or worried. Listen to this. He says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, oh, yes, we know how to pray. Oh, God, help me. I'm in trouble now. Listen, listen. He says, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So when you're giving thanks to God and presenting your requests to him, you know that what God has done in the past, he can do it again. The way God helped you yesterday, he can help you today. But you folks, you will never, ever, ever know that peace in your heart and in your mind until you recognize God's track record and his past performance. And God's got a perfect track record. Now, the other thing that happens, folks, when you and I are thanksgivers, is it changes our attitude and makes us want to be givers. Remember, it's thanks and giving. It makes us want to be givers. It makes us want to reach out and care about others and meet other people's needs. And so... What I ought to do this Thanksgiving, which is very, very different. We've never done this before. It's wild and really crazy. Is we're going to do a very special offering that we've never done before. Don't. Do a special offering today. And what I'm going to ask you to do, not yet, I'm going to ask you to help us bring change to a very needy situation in Burundi. And I want to see that video clip. And then I want you to get your change ready and you'll see where it's going to go. Your change can make a difference. This morning, I'm going to invite you to join our Sunday school, who right now are raising money to buy mosquito nets to send to our kids in Burundi. Those of us who were in Burundi went to uh, some of the houses, and what you saw in those houses were holes in the ceiling, holes in the walls, where mosquitoes easily come and go. I noticed in the, in the young men's, one of the young men's rooms, he had a broken window, mosquitoes coming and going. For us, we just say, well, just go get the window fixed. But that's not so easy in Burundi, and it's not so cheap. With a mosquito net, we can save the lives of 2,000 children. Some of those lives, we can reduce the numbers by just sharing what we have. I can't think of a better way to celebrate Thanksgiving than saying thank you, God, for, for allowing us to live in this country. Not only free of malaria, with our, all our needs met. And so this morning, if you'd like to join us and join me in just giving an offering, just throw it on the floor this morning. Our young people are going to come around and pick it up. Don't worry about people stealing it because... Uh, well, there's 100 people watching. There's nobody going to be stealing anything. 
But if you have bills, you have no change, you want to, but you want to participate, go ahead. And if you think, you know what, I want to give more than just the change in my pocket. God has really blessed you, and you want to just say, God, thank you for your blessing. Listen, don't move yet. Listen, we've got a giving center. Just get an envelope, write mosquito nets on it, and put the offering in, in the giving center, and it'll go towards that. Dennis is going to be heading out there probably in March. Um, but wouldn't it be great if we could make sure that all the kids that are in the, under our care are protected against the darkness. So let's, let's give the, the Sunday school a boost and help them in their project to raise funds to buy mosquito nets. Let's stand together, shall we? Part of, uh, part of the Thanksgiving experience is making sure that we give thanks, give thanks to God. Sharing is just part of the way that we say thanks, God. But can I ask you to do this before this day is over, and maybe even before you leave this church? Tell somebody, or as many as you want, three things that you're thankful for. Or if there's somebody who's been kind to you here in this church, why don't you take a moment to say thank you? If there's somebody here who's inspired you, done things for you that have really helped you, say thank you. But let's get into the mindset, into the habit of being thanks givers. Because this is the dialect of the believer. This is the dialect of the one who follows Jesus. So Father, right now we want to thank you for all that you've done for us. God, you have been so good, so kind to us. And we acknowledge that. God, we, we confess to you that so often we, we fall into our old dialect, that harsh dialect of complaining Dirty jokes and silly talk and complaining and gossip and judgment and condemnation and, and all the things that suck the life out of people. God, help us to be thanksgivers where we bring life to people. We bless the people in our orbit. And God, as we end the service now on this Thanksgiving Sunday, we just want to just express our thanks to you by just small token of love. We, we give you what's in our pockets. We ask, oh God, that you take and use it to bless children, to save people's lives in, in Africa, in Burundi. And I thank you, God. I'm going to say thank you this morning for Dennis Weeb and his commitment to Burundi and giving this church an opportunity to bless that country. God, what a blessing this is. And we say thank you, thank you, thank you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said it. Remember, three people, thank you for something. Go ahead.